give another hope to make another Super Bowl run. Like that, that to me, when you think of moment in sports, that's what it signifies. The Jay Bruce walk-off. Why? Bengals are going to the play, Reds are going to the playoffs. Those types of moments. Uh, the Jermaine Pratt interception. Why? Broke the drought. Won a playoff game. Look what that started. <laughs> Won the game. He makes the catch. Back to back Biggie's chance. Like there are moments in time in Cincinnati sports that, that are etched the moment, but not just the moment, but what it means that it stemmed from that moment. So what we'll do today, Austin, because we like given all the tools we have to our talk about. What is the best Cincinnati sports
Now, Russ, it's lunch hour, so you live in Charlotte, right? Do you remember the puppets? And the interesting thing I that is a little bit
All right, we'll get started a little bit early today. Welcome to this week's live room for Locked On Bearcats. I'm Alex Frank. My colleague Russ Heldman from All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated is on the way. We've got a lot to get to today. The Bearcats have landed some more transfers in the portal. They have committed to Cincinnati, but they also um, yesterday saw a wide receiver, another one, enter the transfer portal. So we will touch on that plus. The hardwood starting to heat up a little bit. The Bearcats have won two straight games. The first time this season winning back-to-back games in conference play. They will take on South Florida tonight. A chance to make it three in a row uh, in conference play. Um, which I, obviously another huge opportunity to uh, beat a team who isn't really that good. The South Florida Bulls. We take a look at the American standings. Um, this is the final game before a crucial two-game stretch to and the month of January in conference play. The Bearcats are taking on a USF Bulls team tonight that enters 8-10, um, and 10, so not bad overall, but 1-4 play. But then the Bearcats will take on Memphis on Sunday. They're 13-5 overall right now. They are 3-2 in conference play. And then, of course, Houston is 18-1, 6-0. overall, 6-0 in American Athletic Conference play. Um, plenty of games, uh, Memphis, I don't, they do play one game before Sunday's game, like the Bearcats, they play tomorrow against Wichita State, but anyway, lots to get to today, we'll take your questions and comments in the chat, um, it's great being with you, it really is, um, the weather's nice, I heard it was really nice up in Cincinnati yesterday, I'll have to ask Russ about that, I heard it was 60 degrees yesterday, so that's, that's really good, um, of course, um, we'll also talk about, uh, I teased this on today's show. If you listened, um, Deshaun Pace, uh, haven't really heard a lot from him, but Russ has some good news. He told me yesterday that I will touch that we will touch on with you uh, today. And then, of course, to finish it off, we will um, um, give our predictions for the Bengals and the Bills on Sunday, which is going to be a fantastic uh, AFC divisional playoff game. How about Sunday? You got the Bearcats in Memphis. One o'clock, and then you've got the Bengals and the Bills at three. And here he is, the man, the myth, the legend, the driving force behind all Bearcats at Sports Illustrated, Russ Heldman. Russ, you lived in Charlotte, so I'm sure you remember Publix, right? Yes, I do remember Publix, of course. So that was my lunch today. So for lunch hour today, I had a fried chicken tender sub from Publix. It was very good. Love it. Glad, glad the lunch was enjoyed. See, that, that, that is what they say. I'm excited to be back in Cincinnati with you. And, and Russ, um, for all our fans listening, I heard it was really nice weather yesterday up in the Queen City. Yeah, it's been pretty good so far this week. Uh, balmy, like 60 degrees. It's been a little rainy, but wow. I don't really care if it's rainy when uh, when it's not cold rain or snow. So fine with me. When it's not cold, when it's not cold and you don't have to scrape your car or defrost your car, you're doing pretty good. Um so, Russ, we got a lot to get to today. As I told our listeners before you just joined us, um, we've got some more transfers who are coming in. We also, unfortunately, have another wide receiver transferring out of the Bearcats program. And then, Russ, you and I were talking a lot over the weekend. The Bearcats won at SMU in an ugly game, kind of a throwback game um, to the Mick Cronin and Bob Huggins days, but a good win there. And then a big game tonight at South Florida. And then we'll hit on a player, Russ, who – we haven't heard a lot from, I feel like, this offseason, but you texted me some good news yesterday. So we'll get to that right here on Locked On Bearcats. 
are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's another Wednesday, which means it's another live room here on Locked On Bearcats. He's Russ Helpman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. I'm Alex Frank. Russ, you're, um, I, I, I like the attire today. It's something different. Normally, I see you in your um, WMKV gear, but I, I like the, uh, the the shade of blue today. Yeah, changed up the quarter zip a little bit today. It's the uh, <laughs> I, a little peek behind the curtain. I really just I, I, I kind of try to wear as little formal clothes as possible. And it's business wow. casual kind of dress code here. So okay. when I can just throw the t-shirt on underneath and then get the quarter zip on top, make it easy. It's like a school you uniform. Don't have to worry Yeah, and you got to be up early so it makes it easier for you. But all right, more importantly, um, so let's talk some transfers. Uh, I, I, the one that I'm most excited about, Donovan Ali, looked into his numbers at Washington State. He posted some really good numbers the last two years, Russ. So where does he fit in this wide receiver room? for the Bearcats that is in bad need of replenishing. He should be a nice, nice addition to go along with Keyshawn Helton, D. Wiggins, Sterling Burkhalter. Obviously, there's been, I think, seven or eight receivers, give or take seven or eight receivers, uh, a draft declaration here, a transfer here. But roughly over five receivers have left the program non-graduation-wise over the past month or so. You had to start restocking this position. They've begun doing that over the past three to four weeks. Six foot three, 212 pounds. He's played power five ball. He's played competitive Pac-12 football over the past few years. Experienced player and a guy that I think can be a nice outside weapon, maybe as an X sometimes, most often a Z on the outside. You're going to be putting him there with that longer frame, six foot three, 212 pounds, two seasons of eligibility left, can still grow, can still develop as a redshirt sophomore. So I love what Donovan Ollie is going to bring as a Washington State football transfer over to Scott Satterfield's system with Tom Manning, an offensive system that it appears, and from everything Scott or Tom Manning kind of told us in that coordinator press conference, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago, that they're still going to have this offense be kind of a work in progress. And I think that's what you you want to hear if you're a Bearcats fan, because you want the offense to mirror what the offensive pieces are looking like right now, which are works in progress. Here's a great quote um, from Scott Satterfield about Tom Manning and what he's going to bring to the Bearcats offense. Um, He says, A guy who has a great understanding of concepts and how to get the ball to players. Things we can do in the throw game that will help us. Now, Russ, I um, was reading this article and I was like, well, are the Bearcats still going to be a run-oriented offense, which is what this program has traditionally been offensively for the last 20 years. But then I think, you know what? If this is how this offense is going to be, where you're trying to get the ball to some playmakers – I'm all in, and that's a good thing, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, it just, yeah, you're going to try to get the ball to your playmakers. That should be the goal of every offense that's ever touched a football field in the history of the sport. Like, it's just, that's just classic coach speak to me, and it kind of speaks to the fact that they don't have a set system defined playbook right now, because why would you? You don't know who your players are going to be in 2023 definitively. The transfer portal, as we're discussing this, 
live in the live room on Wednesday, January 18th. It has just closed, so players yeah. can no longer enter their names into the transfer portal. We had a late entry from the Bearcats wide receiver. Drew Donnelly uh, entered the portal on January 17th, later in the evening hours there. So that was kind of the last bit of exit news we had for the Bearcats. So you can start to kind of get a strong sense that guys like Evan Prater, Jaheim Thomas, they're going to be sticking around in Prater's sense at least through the spring period until that um, next transfer window opens up again, which I believe is the first week of May. So we'll see what happens with the roster at that point. We'll see how much exits, how much, how many exits there will be once spring practice concludes and how many entries there will be in terms of transfers coming from other programs outside of spring practice. But yeah, that quote to me just kind of speaks to a staff and a coach that doesn't want to get ahead of himself over his skis and start promising things and start saying things and saying how things are going to look when he doesn't know exactly what the roster is going to ultimately shape up to be. How surprised were you that Drew Donnelly entered his name into the transfer portal? I was a little surprised. I was. 4-3 speed, a guy 6'2", 180 pounds, burgeoning talent, had a lot of eligibility remaining. I thought he could be a nice kind of slot return weapon piece. He was the main returner for the team in the bowl game off of kick returns. I believe he averaged over 20 yards per return, so showcase that 4-3 speed there. It must have just been, obviously, a conversation with him, the coaching staff, Coach Stepp, the wide receivers coach, and just wasn't going to be his kind of uh, opportunity that he wanted to keep here in Cincinnati. So wish him all the best in the transfer portal. We'll see where he lands. But it was a little bit surprising, Alex, that Drew Donnelly, having had this much time to kind of go through all his options, made the decision as late as he did, especially on a roster that needs young talent. Sure, there's there's veteran transfers coming in. Uh, Ollie, a redshirt sophomore, not necessarily a super old guy there, but – there's not really that next up-and-coming receiving star that you're looking to break out either this year or start to build a foundation and break out in 2024. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, that came up on me. Um, Yeah, definitely going to be a, a, a new-look wide receiver room for sure. I mean, completely now when you talk about Drew Donnelly um, entering his name. But the Bearcats still retain Chris Scott. They still retain Ashton Kohler. So there are still some wide receivers from – last year's roster, but it definitely looks like it's going to be a completely new look wide receiving core, and we'll see how that plays out. So it's interesting, Russ, we're through the first phase of the offseason, and that is um, the first transfer portal entry window. That's closed, and now uh, the Bearcats, uh, they just started uh, winter workouts. Uh, They were in the weight room this week. Um, Spring ball, I mean, it's going to be here before you know it, and Russ, I'll be back in Cincinnati by then, so I'm sure you and I will attend some spring practices together and have some stuff for Lockdown Bearcats and all Bearcats. So it's interesting, like, now we're in that – we're through the first phase of the offseason. So you mentioned Evan Prater. You mentioned Jaheim Thomas. I think it's good they're sticking around, right? I I, I think if there was one thing that we wanted to come out of this first phase of the offseason, it's that the highest-rated offensive and defensive players – in the 24-7 sports era, if I believe that is correct, stick around. And they are. And that's a good thing, right? Yeah. I mean, Mario Eugenio uh, eclipsed Jaheim Thomas. That's right. Yes. That, that's ranking. right. Yes. But obviously, yeah. Eugenio never, uh, to say to put it mildly, did not represent himself uh, accordingly to the UC Bearcats values while he was with the yes. program. And I don't know if he's even landed 
a new home in the transfer portal just yet. Um, that's a conversation for a different show. But yeah, like you are retaining the key pieces I think you wanted to retain outside of maybe a Jake Renfro here, different guys there, maybe Will Pauling, Jaden Thompson. You probably wanted to keep one or two more receiving pieces, I would imagine. But overall, I think given the circumstances, given how much of a pillar Luke Fickle was for this program, I could, I, I think it's safe to say that they came out a little less worse for wear than maybe people were anticipating the roster would come out looking like when Luke Fickle left this program without a head coach at the end of November. Yeah, I, I think if you if you had asked Bearcat fans what you would want in the first two months post-Luke Fickle, I think a lot of fans should be happy with where this program is at right now as far as the players they've been able to retain, the coaches they've been able to retain, the coaches they've hired, the transfers they've gotten. I think they're in a good spot right now, Russ. And I noted this in my column on all Bearcats yesterday. The fact that Cincinnati is still a relevant football program. They're going into a Power 5 conference. And you you said this, I think you said this back in September, when a lot of fans were disappointed the Bearcats only beat Indiana by 21. And you said, well, that's like Ohio State fans not being happy when they don't win a game by 70 points. But Russ, you and I both know, the Bearcats don't yet have that historic pedigree, Right. No, they don't, and they have a chance now to start building that up and making yeah. this century, where in terms of Bearcats fans' hopes, look a lot like the uh, the the twentieth century for Ohio State football. So, I mean, obviously that's a lofty, lofty goal, but the foundation is there now. You have broken through the glass ceiling. You have entered the Big Twelve, and you have the resources like you've never had before to work with in the Big Twelve in terms of money dedicated to Scott Siderfield and his coaching staff. Yeah, off-field staff, recruiting staff, weight room staff, all of it culminating in what I would have to agree with you has been a pretty solid job in terms of once the dust has completely settled now in this roster, not in this roster, but on this coaching staff and this off-field staff and this recruiting staff, you can look through it, page through it and think, wow, they have brought in a lot of versatile, talented voices that can take this thing to the heights that many expected Luke Fickle and his old crew to take it to in the Big 12. Yeah, I, I hear, that's what stands out to me, Russ, is the $7.25 million assistant salary pool. That's a big deal for the Cincinnati Bearcats, and the resources are much more abundant than they were, let's say, five or ten years ago for this program. So I think it's in good hands. And as I always say, Scott Serafield hasn't coached a game yet. So you can say what you want. You can be as pessimistic and skeptical as you want. He hasn't coached a game yet. He has not no. coached a game yet. He has not led a practice. We will, and of course, I, I, you and I will cover spring practice intently. So um, we'll, I mean, just like the, the offseason workouts haven't even, they just started. Yeah, it was their like, first lift yesterday. Yes. And, and you saw names in there getting amped and as much as you could see off pictures and stuff, but Evan Prater looking engaged, Corey Kiner looking Good. engaged, just yeah, Corey Kiner. kind of, these guys you were worried about maybe skipping out on the program already there day one, ready to work. And Prater, the most notable one to me, that just speaks to me, his mindset, his hometown hero mindset saying, I yeah. came here in 2020 to be able to be the next great quarterback at University of Cincinnati. And if this coaching staff is going to give me my opportunity to go take that, even amidst Ben Bryant coming back, 
and Emory Jones coming into the program and Brady Drogosh entering the program. Even amidst all that, I don't care. Horse race blinders on. I'm trudging forward. I'll be there day one to work, and I'll be there doing all I can to make sure I can help this football team in any way possible. Maybe it is as the starting quarterback. Maybe it isn't. But Evan Prater, I think, committed to this program at least for the spring because he's betting on himself to be able to wash away those final two games of the 2022 season and come into 2023 an even better, more improved quarterback in year, was it number three or four? Technically, it'll be for him three yeah, this will as be a non-retro player. So, I think it's a great point you bring up there that Evan Prater is, is engaged because yeah. I, you didn't know what to expect. I think a lot of us were nervous, and I read the comments on our videos, and I read the comments um, everywhere, social media, um, I, I read the comments and I think a lot of fans were worried he was going to transfer, but it turns about as you're, as you're telling me right now, it sounds like that's far from the case. It sounds like he's ready to go. And I'd love for him to earn the starting quarterback job. I think it'd be great for this program. If he got to be the starting quarterback with a new head coach, new mindset, n- nothing against Luke fickle, of course, but it's just, I, I think this is what he needs. And the fact that he's there, the fact, I mean, Corey Kinder, we didn't even mention him. The fact that he's there, hometown hero, and he was a transfer last year and he's staying. And one other player that you mentioned to me yesterday who's going to have a prominent role on defense, Deshaun Pace. Sounds like he is staying. Hometown hero, Colerain High School. And his brother's moving on to the NFL draft. We wish him all the best. I think he's going to have a great, great career um, in the NFL, but... Russ, I mean, this is this is good what's happening to the program right now with these players staying, right? No doubt. No doubt. I think uh, solid mix is a good term to mu- use around the last month of Bearcats football. A solid mix of expected exits, surprise retainments in both roster and staff. And that's, I think, in today's modern age of college football, when you don't, when you have a coaching exit, and a coach as high caliber and as great as Luke Fickle is, leave as little wreckage behind as it has left in Cincinnati, albeit there has been some wreckage, but as little wreckage behind, it shows it speaks to the job that the coaches remaining and that were retained have done to talk to the talent and retain that roster, and also the athletic department, the job that they've done, being able to make sure that when you go to these times of a people, there's as little issue and headache induced things happening all around the department as possible. It's just been a streamlined process. And now day one of workouts complete, they can start to trudge forward through the 2023 offseason and into the 2023 regular season. The first in the Big 12 for any Bearcat athletic varsity sport. Going to be a lot of fun. Less than eight months away from that first game against Eastern Kentucky at Nippert Stadium. All right, coming up, we're going to switch gears to the hardwood, a hard-fought, ugly win on Saturday, but I have called it the best win of the regular season so far. Russ will talk about that, and we'll look ahead to tonight's game at USF and a massive showdown on Sunday afternoon against the Memphis Tigers. Russ, Sunday afternoon's got a lot of fun stuff written written all over it for Cincinnati. Um, we'll touch on that um, in 
our next segment. But first, I need to tell you why today's or how today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Bet Online. Right now, you can go to Bet Online and wager on tonight's game between the Bearcats and South Florida. You can also look ahead to this weekend's NFL divisional round playoff matchups, including the Bengals and Bills. Because BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, thanks for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Back here, Locked On Bearcats will take your comments and questions in the chat as they roll in. He's Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. I'm Alex Frank of Lockdown Bearcats. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. So Saturday, the Bearcats, Russ, go into Dallas, and they beat SMU 54-52. It was a very hard-fought, ugly game. No offense, no flow. But I think it's the best win of the regular season. Do you agree? That's interesting. It's an interesting question. Probably have to agree, considering they are, I think now 0-3 as underdogs, betting underdogs this season. So they haven't beaten anyone that they were not expected to beat. And this was a road affair. So they didn't they didn't cover the spread um, in, um, in kind of uncharacteristic fashion for this team. 12-6 and six against the spread this season, one of the 30 best teams in the country against the number but they found a way to win and it was kind of funny it was like the fact that Wes Miller I think it was the game before was talking about how he loved when his, his favorite wins as a coach for when his team can't hit anything but they defend well enough and they rebound well enough to ultimately scratch out a win that's what he said after the 83-55 blowout against East Carolina and then the very next game they go on the road and they have to get their first win I believe their first or second, it might be their second win under Wes Miller, scoring under 60 points. It was an absolute defensive showcase from Victor Locken. I mean, the guy puts eight blocks in this game, top 10 performance in the history of UC basketball. First UC player to post over or eight plus blocks in a game in over 17 years. Just amazing work from Victor Locken, who is a little shaky shooting the ball lately. After defenses, I think, are starting to key on in on him a little bit more through game planning. But whether it's rebounding, which he had 10 against SMU, or defensively around the rim as the top tier and only tier rim protector. It's the only guy they really have to protect the rim on that roster. Eight blocks, a career high, obviously, and a top 10 performance for a Bearcats program that prides itself on defense all time. That's uh, definitely a signature win for the Bearcats and one that could maybe, for fans hopeful enough, be a springboard towards an NCAA tournament run, although those hopes are fading more and more by the passing weeks. Well, I don't want to. I mean, I I think this team is getting better because they're able to win games where the shots aren't falling. And as you mentioned, Wes Miller talked about that. And I think that's why 
it's the best win of the season so far. It reminds me of the game back in 2019 where they won at SMU 52-49. I think they shot less than 30% from the floor in that game, and they still managed to win. So the fact that they're able to win a game like this, I mean, you look at some of the numbers. Um, yeah, they didn't shoot the ball well. 33, what was it, 33 point, 33.8%. 33, yeah, 33.8. Um, you're wondering how they managed to do it. Well, Landers Nolly, who has 10-plus boards in three of his last four games, 16 points, 12 rebounds. Odio Guama had 10 rebounds. And Jeremiah Davenport with nine rebounds. Yep. So that's a perfect example. His shots weren't falling, but he was doing other things to help the team win, Russ. That he was, and it's just – I've said it multiple times over the past few weeks as we've broken down this season. just goes to show that what I'm seeing getting – perfectly implemented in practice not perfectly but getting hammered home in practice the system the mentality the grit and grind aspect of this program that Wes Miller wants to bring these players and this entire fan base back to is slowly but surely trickling in and it's slowly trickling in because of the talent deficit that this team has compared to the top tier teams in the entire country, but it is trickling in because of Wes Miller, because of his coaching staff, and because these players buy into Wes. He cares about them. He he wants to know how you're doing on a random Tuesday. He wants to know how the family's doing. He checks in on, for example, Chad Brendel and his family. We're thinking about Chad, the Brendels, him and Kelly, Absolutely. all of the all of the fight that they're going through with that awful, awful cancer diagnosis and just everything that they're having to deal with. The first game that Chad Brendel is out, Wes Miller makes a note and makes a public uh, supporting comment of that wow. in his post-game press conference. So it's just that? the when you treat people the right way and you coach with a vigor and a passion as well, it can breed really, really good buy-in results. Not necessarily amazing win-loss results because you don't have the top-tier talent, as I mentioned, but these guys are buying in and they're starting to play Bearcat type of basketball. And when you play that type of basketball and you shoot 34%, you can win basketball games that they haven't done at all this year, Alex. I believe they were 0 and 8 or they were 0 and 5 going into this game, something like that, when shooting below 38%. This was their first win of the season, shooting below 38%. And it's because they rebounded well, they defended well, and they didn't get down on themselves when shots weren't going in offensively. All three really good signs for the rest of the season and a three game stretch that will define this season. If they can find a way to go three and zero or go two and one with one of those victories being against yeah. Houston, big long shot there, but the, the, the opportunities there and the opportunity is needed because you are winless against quad one teams this season and have one quad two win to your name. Yeah, the Bearcats, the last four games, um, statistically, they've out-rebounded their opponents by 45. Yep. Um, they out-rebounded SMU 52-41. Landers Nolly, uh, who you talked about in your preview of tonight's game, really taking it upon himself to be that rebounder. And Wes Miller said, as you, as you mentioned, if he gets 10 a game, that's going to really help this Bearcats team be able to win these games. And, and look, SMU is not a very good team. But as we saw against Temple, that doesn't mean anything. You have to go out there and rebound the basketball. You got to be able to play these games, you know, um, like it's a football game, like it's a physic, like it's physical. And so many great Bearcat teams in the past. Um, I remember Russ 2019. 
They played at Temple. They were down 14 points in the second half. They came back to win that game. You want to know what the rebounding margin was in that game? Probably plus 20. Close. Plus 25. There you go. I was shocked. And yet I wasn't after that game. I remember I hosted postgame at Bearcast Media in our student uh, radio station. And my partner, Zach Reese, and I, we were just, um, I mean, 47-22. How big of a margin that was and why that leads to victories. And we're starting to see that. And that's good because tonight the Bearcats have a challenge against South Florida. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on how to pronounce his last name, Russell uh, Chiwa. Or I think it's Chiwa or Chewa. Either one. Chiwa or Chewa. Um I like Chewa a little bit more. It flows a little bit better. Sounds a little bit more kind of uh, yeah. a little bit more like authentic. He's a good player. Chewa. Yeah, but Chewa. He's a good player though, Russ. And Victor Locken's gonna have his hands full tonight against him. Um Tyler Harris, Memphis transfer, uh Bearcat fans, you might remember him. I I certainly do, um, having been to a lot of Bearcat Bearcats Memphis games over the years. Russ, I feel like um, tonight, even though USF's not a very good team, it's still a good opportunity for the Bearcats to see where they're at as far as, as you mentioned in your preview, um, how they can defend in the paint and being able to stop one of the hottest guards right now in the conference and a USF team that can shoot it from deep. Yeah, South Florida is solid, solid shooting team. They have been even better over the past few weeks. Um, I think over the last three or four games, they're third percent from deep overall in conference play, uh, third in the AAC, and Tyler Harris, a big aspect of that. Sixth best scorer in the entire conference, five foot nine transfer guard from Memphis. Obviously, teammates with Landers Nolly last year, and now they're going up against each other. Third best three point shooter by percentage in the conference, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, Alex. He's the best three shooter in the con in the conference. I think it's wow. definitive in my eyes. He's shooting almost 40% on, I think, 5.2 or 5.3 attempts per game. That's more than any player in the top 14 by percentage from outside. He's averaging 16.6 points, 2.6 rebounds, three assists. He just rolled off of a 27.5 point, 2.5 assists per game average over two contests last week, 31 points against Houston. We know how good that defense wow. is at yeah. defending guards and Tyler Harris lit it up. So he is a major factor to worry about to, uh, for the Bearcats on Wednesday night. He was a major practice factor for the Bearcats in terms of their defensive run through and drills on Tuesday afternoon. When I was there, he was the focal point for what Wes Miller and this coaching staff want to slow down out of South Florida in the backcourt. And then the front court, you mentioned Shaywa. Really, really impressive player, seven feet tall, 280 pounds. Arguably, I would say the biggest or toughest down low matchup for Victor Locken. What would you say, Alex, since Tubelis of Arizona, him and Bala? Yeah, it's think, probably the Yeah, it's probably the toughest since those two, right? Well, I would also put in Jack Nungy of Xavier. Yeah, I, yeah, I was talking to David Cohen, the uh, the Bearcats SID yeah. about that yesterday. He but brought that right. a good point. But Nunji more of a perimeter yeah. guy as a seven footer than okay. banging down low like Shayla yeah. is. So averages eleven point. Yeah, go ahead. Who'd you say the backcourt focus was in practice for um, Tyler Harris for the Bearcats? Well, it's it's good. It was okay. definitively Mike Adams Woods and David DeJulius okay. getting a lot All of. Right. Yeah. Uh, who is it? 
uh, J- man- manager version of Tyler Harris. So Jalen Stowe, uh, graduate assistant okay. guys, uh, stepping yeah. in and trying to act like him. As a but kind you're of right about Lockin. You're right Chayla, about Lockin. 11.8 points per game, almost eight rebounds. He's in the top five Good. rebounding player in the entire uh, AAC. Only around a block per game, so not necessarily going to be a stifling rim presence, but a strong, strong matchup for Victor Lockin to have to deal with defensively. He's third among AAC players in rebounding and field goal percentage. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup down low. And then Mike Adams-Woods and David DeJulius against Tyler Harris up top also going to be very intriguing for a Bearcats team that you and I were just talking about the rebounding, out-rebounding opponents by 45 over the past four games. The Bulls, on the other hand, averaged 37 boards per game. That's top 75 in the country and 10.6 offensive rebounds per game. That's 38th nationally. So all of the rebounding acumen, the improvements over the past four games, the improvements in conference play can get tested tonight in in front of a really strong and solid rebounding team in the Bulls, arguably one of the best, if not top two, top three rebounding team in the AAC. We might be talking about next week, Alex, these next two games, if they end up being wins, being the top two victories of the season so far for the Bearcats, because yeah, they're eight and what are they? Eight and 10, the um, South Florida. Yeah. Bulls eight are and 10. Yeah. yeah eight they're and eight ten. and 10, but they don't really do anything super poorly. They've been in a lot of close games. I believe they are, um, I'll pull up the, I guess the spread numbers, right? I here, mean, they did just score 77 spread. on Houston. They scored 77 right. on Houston, Russ. That's impressive. And when you, you go 11 and seven against the spread, it shows that you're, Proven a lot of people wrong as an underdog. They covered four and a half with ease against Houston. They're seven and one against the spread as underdogs this season. Three and a half point underdogs to the Bearcats on Wednesday night. So they are not a team that you take lightly and end up having a lot of success with, as we've seen through the first half of the year. They've struggled in conference play. They're only one and four. But I mean, look at the some of the scores: ninety-three to eighty-six at Memphis. 68-64 loss at home against Temple, uh, 70-66 loss at home against Wichita State, and they took Houston uh, to the wire, 83-77, and they're coming off a road win at East Carolina, 81-70, so they're going to come in with some confidence that they can play with this Bearcats team. Now, another guard that we're going to see on Sunday who has been an absolute force in this conference for several years, Kendrick Davis. Russ, he used to be... Uh, on SMU. Now he's with the Memphis Tigers. He's having another fantastic season. So these two games this week, we're really going to see how the Bearcats can match up against a USF team that's going to be able to pound it down low and shoot from outside and a Memphis team who we know is very good offensively. So we're going to find out a lot about this Bearcats team this week. Um, Obviously the first game is tonight, but Give us a, a little preview of Sunday, if you can, Russ. You're going to be there. Big sports day in Cincinnati. The Bearcats and Memphis will hit on uh, another game that's taking place uh, in our final segment. But Bearcats-Memphis on Sunday, a crucial game for two teams fighting for that at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's going to be massive. And it's kind of be kind of similar a little bit in terms of the matchups to what he has to deal with. It's kind of a lighter version against South Florida, and you're stepping up a bit against Kendrick Davis on Sunday in the backcourt and against DeAndre Williams in the front court for Memphis. Williams averaging 15.6 points per game, number nine score in the AAC. Kendrick Davis, top score in the entire conference, almost by two points per game at that. 21.2 wow. points per game this season. Oh he is 
crushing, absolutely crushing opponents. Has hit 26 threes as well. Is getting to the line with a reckless abandon. Over 120 free throw attempts. And we're barely halfway through the season as it is. So Kendrick Davis is going to be a really big problem to deal with. Um, in terms of his outside inside game for the Bearcats, and then DeAndre Williams, we've kind of kind of come to know him very well. If you've been around the Bearcats over the past few years, a veteran, kind of bigger, I think he's like six foot eight, six foot nine, two thirty, two forty, going to bang around down low and really put pressure on this Bearcats front court in terms of foul trouble and all the likes of that. So it's going to be a high flying matchup, I would expect. On Sunday afternoon, two of the top three scoring offenses in the entire conference in Memphis averaging 78.5 points per game and the Bearcats averaging 76.8 points per game, the number two and three scoring offenses behind Tulane. So very interested to see how those two teams match up and whether or not the Bearcats can get that signature win under Wes Miller. Would you consider that a signature win, Alex, or does that signature win have to include a number next to the opponent's name? Um, That's a good question because I, I know Memphis has been really good the last two years. They won the NIT in 2021. They took Gonzaga to the wire in the second round of the NCAA tournament last year for a while. I thought they were going to win that game. Um, I would consider it one of Wes Miller's best wins. I don't know if I, I don't know, Russ. See, I don't think you because, can, I don't think it could be a signature win. I don't. I think like the only signature win Wes Miller has, and this is not a, 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 a like a, a shot at him or anything, but it's the fifth win of his career to move to five and zero all time and become the first UC Bearcats head coach to start five and zero in their career with the victory over Illinois in the holiday yeah. tournament last year. They haven't had one since. That was. Yeah, you're right. They haven't had one since. They've come close. I mean, they played Memphis tough twice last year. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game on Sunday. Memphis is not very good defensively from what I remember looking at them statistically. Um, so it could be one of those uh, up-and-down games, high-scoring games. So looking forward to that. Um, and the Tigers, and should, Tigers, have, Tigers have won three straight against the Bearcats, too. So trying to get off the slide yes. in that sense there. Yeah. Three really close games, though. I mean, really close games. And these two teams have played several close games. Over the years, there was the Overtime Classic in 2020 at Fifth Third Arena. There was um, two really close games in 2019. I mean, I can go as far back as 1992 at this point with the Bearcats in Memphis. So um, looking forward to that. You'll be there, Russ, to provide us some coverage. Uh, When we return, we'll take your questions and comments in the chat and look ahead to another big sporting event involving a Cincinnati sports team on Sunday. You may have heard about that so we will get into that after i tell you about this episode of lockdown bearcats being brought to you by the revolutionizing built bar looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories then you gotta try a built bar they're gonna make me want to ditch these Publix cookies right now because we just got through the holidays and i know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year if you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste then man i've got just the thing for you you gotta try built With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably good flavors like churro, mm, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. 
only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com. Well, now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Built Bars, revolutionizing deliciousness while maintaining healthiness. And I did not come up with that slogan, as I mentioned earlier this week. This has been good. We've, we're almost an hour into this live room. Um, he's Russ Heldman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. I'm Alex Frank, host of Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, um, I was thinking about this last night and while I was running today. I think that there are there is no fan base in the NFL more deserving of a Super Bowl title than the Bengals and the Bills. When you think about how close those two fan bases have become in recent years, when you think about all the heartbreak that those franchises have been through, I think the winner of this game very well could go on to win the Super Bowl. That is how big of a game I think this is. On Sunday, the Bengals and Bills from Orchard Park, New York, uh, 3 o'clock kickoff on CBS. There is snow in the forecast, Russ. So uh, just give me your thoughts. And, and actually, let me ask you this question first. Actually, you know what? I'll, we'll go there. We'll go there here first. Your thoughts on this game on Sunday. Can the Bengals go into Buffalo and pull off what would be an upset victory? And it would be a, a very impressive win. Oh, easily. I mean, they could easily go into Buffalo and beat the Bills. Why not? The Dolphins almost just went into Buffalo and beat the Bills. The reason they can do that is because they're hot. Both teams are hot. Entering on yeah. a nine-game win streak are the Bengals, a franchise record nine-game win streak. And, a, and the Bills are entering on an eight-game win streak. The sixth playoff game ever where two teams enter on at least an eight-plus game win streak. So both these teams firing. Wow. On close to all cylinders, the Bengals' offense sputtered a little bit over the past couple of weeks in terms of efficiency and execution, and the Bills have not executed soundly at all over the past few weeks, turning it all turning the ball over multiple times in their last three games. They have had at least three turnovers. The Bills had, and they've committed at least one turnover really? in six of their past seven games. The Bengals, on the other hand, have forced thirteen turnovers and are plus five in turnover ratio over their last six games. That is wow. the game. It's not shocking, and I'm not breaking any news, that a football game will get decided on turnovers, but that's how this game will get decided. It's that close. These two teams are that even, and I'm going to be picking the Bengals, just like I picked them on Monday Night Football. I think Joe Burrow will be able to oh. overcome the offensive line injuries. He will get his receivers to not drop as many passes as they have over the past couple of weeks. Hayden Hurst not going to lose his third fumble of his entire NFL career. This coming weekend, and the Bengals figure out a way to win a reverse of the Bills score in the wild card round. 34-31 win for the Bengals, who continue their streak and push okay. it to 10 games after the AFC Divisional round. How about that? I agree with you. And I think you hit you hit on why I think the Bengals are going to win this game. Russ, I'm watching the Bills-Dolphins game last Sunday. And Buffalo almost handed Miami the game. Miami did not play well. They only had 231 yards of offense. 
You know why they had a chance to win that game? Because the Bills' offense is reckless. The Bills' offense and Joe Marino of Lockdown Bills, he does a fantastic job. Love his show. I listen to his show. Um, uh, I've been listening to his show this week. He, he's doing a great. He's doing a great job. Um, by, by the way, he he is an unbelievably vested Bills fan. He's written multiple books on the Buffalo Bills, but he was talking about how the Bills' offense, when things are going well, they're great. But when it's not going well, when they make mistakes, they're not really they're not really that good, Russ. Like I have watched the Bills, and obviously Joe knows more about the Bills than I do, and and I, I I've watched them over the last few seasons. They're either really hot or you can beat them. And they don't scare me as a team if they have the ball last that they're going to win the game. Joe Burrow, if he has the ball last, I'll take my chances there. Yeah, see, I can't get on board with you there. I would be very afraid if it's 31-31 and minute remaining with two timeouts for Josh Allen. I would be almost – I would feel very, 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 very low confident level that Josh Allen will get stopped okay. on that drive. But I just – I think he'll I – mean, yeah, I'm not going to get into – like, like I, I do think the Bills are very good. The Bills should scare a lot of teams. But there's only three teams in the NFL that shouldn't be scared of anybody, and that's the Bengals, that's the Chiefs, and that's the Bills in the AFC. I don't think that the the Eagles have earned that status this year. I don't think the Cowboys have earned that status this year. It's those three fire-breathing dragons in the AFC, and they should not be scared of anybody else. That's why when the chips are down and it's this even, I'll take the more safe quarterback pick in terms of not turning the football over in Joe Burrow. I'll take the steelier quarterback pick in terms of clutch execution to Joe Burrow. And I'll take the team that has a better all around makeup in the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. A banged up offensive line that just gave up four sacks, but correct me if I'm wrong here, Alex, but the bills just gave up seven sacks to the Miami Dolphins last week. And not a single soul has talked about that being a big factor in this game. The Bengals have just as good a pass rush as the Buffalo bills do. Now that Devon Miller is out for the season, Mono Imano, chips are down. These two teams, I would say, are about as dead even as possible. And the turnovers that the Bills yeah. will commit, as they have committed over the past three games, will be the difference. I'll say the Bengals win this game. I'm going to go, um, I'll say 37-34. Evan McPherson hits from 40 yards in the snow uh, to win the game for the Bengals, I think Joe Burrow has a big game. And like Tennessee last year in the playoffs with that offensive line, I mean, I, I do I, I do worry about the offensive line, but they just, I mean, they only gave up four sacks against Baltimore. So, I mean, Buffalo doesn't have Vaughn Miller. So, and I think if it's a close game, I trust the Bengals more than I do the Bills. Because when the Bills have been in a battle, more often than not, they have come up short. And that includes in the playoffs. The Bengals last year won three one-score playoff games, including, and then again, on Sunday. Now, Russ, let me ask you this. Where does the fumble in the jungle rank for you in great Cincinnati sports moments? Where did it rank for me? Let's see. Since I sports moments, I don't know. I I, I mean, we're, we've gone way too long in this long room. I'd have to I'd have to go through that in like twenty minutes, sit down and go through it. But Bengals moments, I would say, it's not even top two. I would say, I think 
Jesse Bates interception last year and the and the Jermaine Pratt interception last year. Those two, I mean, one puts you in the Super Bowl and the other lifts 30 plus years of excruciating playoff loss pain. I don't think a win in the wild card round, albeit yes, in front of your home crowd, a great moment, a walk-off moment. Actually, it wasn't even a walk-off moment. People I keep forgetting it was like 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So yeah. I will say it was a great, great moment. It's up there. It's in the top 10, definitely, of Cincinnati sports moments. It's in the top five, assuredly, of, of Cincinnati Bengals moments. But I don't think it holds quite as much of a historical weight as punching a ticket to the Super Bowl play did and punching your first playoff win ticket this century did in those two plays last year. But, hey, if they end up going on a run, maybe it gets amplified even more uh, through the annals of history because if that – ends up being the spark for a Super Bowl victory this season, then you can maybe start to push it above those two interceptions. Who, hey, let me ask you this question. Who's going to make the defensive play on Sunday to decide the game? I don't know. One of the no-name defenders is going to make it. Just like hey. no one really made the play on Sunday night, it was three guys coming together to make Magic. And that's exactly what I bet will that's happen on Sunday. Did. The no-name defense will have a no-name player come out of nowhere and continue on the run yeah. to Arizona. Well, how about this? We don't have any questions or comments in the chat, despite having a lot of viewers. Oh, uh, Seth Fangman says Logan Wilson will make the play. Good pick. On Good Sunday. pick. Maybe a rerun. Uh, run it back like he did on Sunday night. I like it, Seth. Run it back like he did Sunday night. Run it back like he did last year in the divisional round against the Titans when he had that pick. Uh, in the final 20 seconds of the divisional round. In fact, um, I, I, I have this um, – I'm turning around here. So I've got this this picture frame. You can see right there um, the game-winning field goal. It is field us, goal. the Inquirer the inquire logo right there, or the Inquirer yes, headline. and there you see the, a still shot at McPherson's game-winning field goal, 52 yards at Tennessee last year, one of two game-winning field goals in the postseason. Russ, this has been fun. We've covered a lot. Uh, big game tonight, the Bearcats and South Florida. I'll pick the Bearcats to win. Um, I'll say they get it done 67-59, to 59, and uh, we'll go from there. By the way, um, Bet Online has the over-unders for uh, this, this against playoff games. Bengals and Bills, 48. Cowboys, Niners, 45.5. Giants, Eagles, 48.5. Jaguars, Chiefs, 52. Not a lot of defense expected in that one. <laughs> Did the Chargers fire Brandon Staley? I, I, I mean, I think they have to. Did you not hear, Alex? Come on, what are you, what are you talking about now? Brandon Staley's staying. He's, he's already, they're retaining him. <laughs> well, yeah, they, I know they're retaining him, but, like, I mean, how? Why are we talking I mean, about the Jaguars-Chargers game? Let's go ahead and end this. Alex, it's been a fun show. We've already gone an hour. It has been a fun – well, I'm saying because Justin Herbert's nowhere near Joe Burrow in in terms of uh, quarterback tiers. So there you go. Russ Heldman is my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. uh, Burrow's got four playoff wins. Herbert doesn't have any. So um, It's true. It's been a a lot of fun, Alex. Can't wait to do it again next week. It has been a lot of fun. So looking forward to seeing you next week. Enjoy the Bearcats game tonight. You're covering the game Sunday for us. We'll talk again next Wednesday at 1230 and uh, we'll have a lot to get to. Russ Elman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, thank you for joining me. Of course, man. See ya. That's Russ Elman. You can follow him on Twitter at Russ Elman 11 Thank you for joining us today. This will be posted in podcast form tomorrow. 
Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. Hey, how about for your second listen, check out our brand-new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball Experts, experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the game tonight, and I'll be back tomorrow right here. On Lockdown Bearcats, we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.